Earlier in this year, the Biden administration ruled that retirement firms can invest 401k funds in environmental, social, and governance companies, or ESG companies. This has spurred a flurry of talking points among conservative media outlets and social media. This is The Green Conversation, and I'm your host, Leo Jenko. And today, we're talking about the messiness of environmental, social, and governance policies. So, the Department of Labor rules that retirement plans can invest in companies considering climate change, board diversity, and multiple other factors. This was an initiative to follow through on Biden's campaign promises. Biden argued that firms should maximize financial returns and allowing investments into ESG companies would do that. But what is the issue behind ESG policies and companies? And why am I bringing this up in an environmental podcast? Well, for starters, they conflate environmental issues with all of this. So I think it is imperative to look at this policy to see if are is there any environmental justice or good coming out of it. So from the conservative standpoint, there are multiple reasons why ESG policies can be risky. From the environmental cost to the loss of investors' returns, conservatives have pointed to several issues. However, I want to focus on the values behind these policies. Pointing out the investment risk is not a criticism that necessarily ends the conversation for ESG policies or change them for the better. Many conservatives argue against ESG policies within corporations from a capitalistic or profitable value system. At the end of the day, it is the responsibility of the corporations to maximize the shareholders' investments and produce a product for consumer demand or need. If a new value is unable to be transformed into a product with a reasonable economic return or profitable outcomes, that value is not going to be useful. But this argument against ESG policies can be misleading. Politicians or other moral entrepreneurs who support ESG policies do see reasonable economic returns or profitable outcomes for them. I'm not saying everyone does. Thus, it is more appropriate to look at the values expressed by consumers than values expressed by politicians. When you consume for the sake of consumption and not reselling, you do not operate under the same capitalistic value system. For the products from ESG companies to survive, there must be a use value for consumers, and use value is not the same as valuing profit. Most consumers will not buy a product to resell it, Yes, and I'm referring to you as a listener, let's be honest, you're going to be looking for a product with use value or a product that assists you in your endeavors, not necessarily resell it. So for consumers, the ESG policy is mainly judged by other values. And here's where we run into the first problem when valuating ESG companies or policies. Consumers do not have a monolithic value system like corporations. Corporations all of them, have the responsibility to maximize profit for shareholders. People vary on their values and what products and companies to support. But companies all have the same underlying goal. ESG policies ignore the variety of values among consumers and smashes them under one value system, creating a sum score of all values under a company. 
And this can cause many problems when an individual is trying to decide on a company to support. For instance, you may think you're buying from a company that really cares about the environment, but the only reason why they have a high ESG score is their diverse board of members and advertising with a small splash of environmentalism. As a consumer, you may want to support a company with a lower ESG score, but with a proven positive record towards the environment. This disjuncture between ESG policies and consumer values will not be a problem initially. When consumers demand for more greener technologies, companies will naturally follow suit. Or companies themselves will decide to move in this direction and promote this value to consumers, hoping they are received by consumers. The problem is not the actual values, but the political force shrewdly encouraging policies that categorizes these values under one roof, ignoring the multitude of values across consumers. All the while, companies that do not want to follow ESG policies feel overwritten by political forces to participate in this direction. And consumers feel forced in a market value system that is not dictated by their dollars. It's a bad mix. In February 2021, the Biden administration passed an executive order requiring assessment, disclosure, and mitigation of climate pollution and climate-related risks in every sector of the economy. In early March 2021, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or ESC, established a climate and ESG task force with the Division of Enforcement. According to the ESC website, the task force develops initiative to proactively identify ESG-related misconduct consistent with increasing investor reliance on climate and ESG-related discourse and investment. And here's the translation. Tell you who is not following our rules and publicly shame them. There was a blatant executive push for this direction by Democrats shortly after the pandemic. But the issue with this direction is the looming economic issues from the pandemic, not the actual values in society. Businesses were producing fewer and less returns. Multiple workers lost their career paths. However, the shortcoming of the economy is lagging because consumers were given money without economic investment. Money was handed to them by the government. This puts businesses in a tough spot. Businesses need to return to profitable returns for growth and high consumer demand, all the while catering to this political force for environmental, social, and governance business practices. These multiple pressures are exacerbated when you consider the vast variation of consumer values under ESG perspectives. Basic capitalistic economy would say that businesses produce products that are in demand from consumers or improve the labor of consumers in the home or work area. Government intervention disrupts the economic relationship between consumers and business. Though government intervention was needed for certain historical events, there is some murkiness around how and when the government should get involved. Some socialist scholars do not see the emergence of socialism from government force, but a natural progression between government, consumers, and the economy. 
typically when economic crises are confronted. And no, the pandemic was not considered an economic crisis, and this is where the problem arises. We manufactured an economic crisis. It did not happen organically through the capitalistic system. So getting all that aside, knowing that there is a disjuncture and discourse between the values of consumers, businesses, and politicians, what does the research actually say about this stuff and in terms of profit for business? Is there any research that these policies help business revenue? And how? Well, literature will vary in methodology and thus will have different results. So I tried to narrow down my search. When I was looking for academic studies focusing on the USA or American companies, I found articles that had mixed results on ESG policies. Literature finds a consistent increase in company rates when ESG policies are, are used. But other studies that look further into the operations and return of businesses, results did not point towards a good outcome for ESG policies in the long run. One study by Michael Kupici at the Harvard Management Company wrote about a paradox with the ESG policies. In his review of our current knowledge of ESG policies, there was actual little investment in ESG practices and management. Firms with these policies supported the policy without having any knowledge of how to operate under the set of practices. A reasonably impressive 57% of the respondents said that they integrated ESG factors into the whole investment analysis and decision-making process. But on a series of follow-up questions, these same managers exhibited poor intentionality on ESG measures. Capucci's study goes on to discuss that fears of costs and underperformance create barriers towards the full integration of ESG models. Also, the values for ESG policies is only recently, and thus there is no data to compare the outcomes between companies. However, the main issue, according to Capucci, was the dissonance between long-term goals under ESG policies and investors' short-term performance initiatives. I do find this intriguing that the disconnect is not investigated further. If investors were not investing because the profit implications are not shown, then ESG policies are running on a hypothetical goal to justify its profit implications. Investors typically look at a company's profitability in a one, three, or five-year span. If there is a profit, an investor may want to buy in. If profit doesn't seem to grow, investors pull out. This is one of the main criticisms from the conservative standpoint. As I've mentioned in other episodes, hypotheticals are bad for policies. You can try a policy that could help the environment, but if it does not produce profit, you need to come to reality. Pushing for a hypothetical profitable goal while being environmentally friendly turns into a wild goose chase, and this relationship between profit and values is based on our current economic value system. And I'm not going to bait on what it should be. I'm only discussing what is in our current situation. So I found Capucci's research very interesting. The profits that we see, or at least the growing profit margins under companies with ESG policies are growing. So you would assume that ESG policies are helping, but according to Capucci's research, they're operating on a completely different value system. 
So they're not actually following ESG policies to make this profit. It's just something in the back of my head. However, this has not stopped President Biden from passing an executive order making it mandatory for investment firms to focus on companies with ESG policies. Valuing ESG policies would not be a problem if the hypothetical profit goals were not hypothetical. Luckily, the House of Representatives are trying to prevent poor investment for economic retirement plans, and thus we can therefore focus on more practical environmental policies. That, I'm just adding on, not necessarily what they're thinking, but for me, by moving away from these hypotheticals, we can actually focus on practical environmental policies. The main problem with ESG policies is the current state of our economy, as I mentioned. Anyone who understands capitalism understands that profit is the most important aspect of business. One cannot operate and grow without profit. Now, I am not advocating for a deconstruction of our current economy to focus on ESG policies. The larger problem is our relationship with nature and how our society does not economically complement nature. Currently, we look to change how nature operates to fit our needs. Capitalism only exacerbates our relationship with nature, not the cause. Though you can make the argument that certain technological innovation does create new harmful relationships, it's still based on our messed up initial relationship, even if we didn't have capitalism. To put this in perspective, let's talk about a previous attempt with carbon offsets. Unfortunately, I don't think it's previous. I think they're still around, but that's not the point. Carbon offsets was a green policy that turned into a fraudulent scandal, mainly because of perceived rankings with these carbon offsets. I repeat, perceived rankings. Whoever had the better virtue signaling was perceived to be a better investment for profit. People wanted greener companies. Carbon offsets were an investment for this demand, and thus you would think people would purchase products from these companies. Oh, wrong. <laughs> they were very wrong. Carbon offsets can be thought of as a unit to compensate an organization for investing in green projects or initiatives that offset the use of carbon emissions elsewhere. A company or government may create carbon offset credit for people or companies to purchase to account for their pollution. So imagine you protect a forest in the West while you produce and emit pollution in the East. But let's ignore that this policy doesn't actually help our emissions. The offset business was the actual problem. When someone buys carbon offsets, that money is funneled into a green initiative. The results of these initiatives did not yield proper results. Reforestation efforts did not offset deforestation. Technological changes will lead to more production, which leads to more resource use. The idea of carbon offsets to save the planet is not quite clear, and these credits are also not tax deductible. Still, people and companies buy these credits for a loss of profit and clout. So let me try to draw that out for you using deforestation as the example. So one of the main issues 
with reforestation. One of the main issues with reforestation, it, <laughs> I will never be able to pronounce this. One of the main issues with reforestation initiatives through these credits is the time it takes to grow a forest. One tree takes two to three years to mature in proper conditions. The investment in the company may have long-term returns, but only for those who sell carbon offsets. But this does not stop companies from acting on the system. According to an article by Tristan Bove in Fortune, JP Morgan bought a massive amount of timberland and carbon offsets to protect trees from deforestation. JP Morgan then sells these offsets as credit, which the producer believes will protect a tree from deforestation. However, selling these carbon offsets is valuable because the number of livable trees is decreasing, increasing the value of timber and the carbon offsets. Thus, these offset credits will bring in more money for the seller. There is no benefit to the purchaser except for clout and ESG requirements. It is for a rating, not profit or improved business operations. You are just giving money to JP Morgan. There is no charitable tax deduction, nothing. You lose money, period. And let, let, let me put this in some sort of perspective. JP Morgan would not have started this offset credit if there was no means for making a profit. So yeah, they're okay with selling you something that doesn't benefit you. If it was out of goodness, why would JP Morgan sell carbon offsets in the first place? These credits are worthless for a purchaser unless they sell the credit. This does not help us change our relationship with nature, but only creates incentives to monetize green initiatives that feed large corporations and governments with more money. And that's all it's doing. Lastly, ESG policies do not actually push businesses to be better for society. I mentioned that consumers have multiple values that may not line up with a company's variety of ESG policies. Well, companies also do not believe in these policies as well, uh, even though they may show you or advertise that they do. It was all over conservative news outlets earlier in the year of 2023. The tobacco company had one of the highest ESG scores, while Tesla, an electric vehicle producer, a company made to be environmental, had a low-grade score. An industry known to be environmentally harmful and harmful to human health has one of the highest ESG scores. And by the policies pushed by Democrats, this industry would be a top industry for retirement investments. Most people would not want to support cigarette companies anymore. ESG policies for politicians are just politics and gaining power over the economy. I don't know how to see it any other way. You may be wondering then, who are the companies that you should avoid that are manipulating ESG scores? Well, good luck. The S&P, which ranks these companies, does not give a list of the top 100 companies in plain sight. You have to go digging for it. Thus, most people do not have reasonable access to the list of high-ranking ESG companies. Of course because it's not for the betterment of society, it is only for profit and investment. Companies themselves do not believe in ESG policies. It is for themselves to get your attention to buy products and to invest in them, and that is it. 
So I hope this helps you understand ESG policies a little more. Uh, it did end on a very dark note, and I apologize. But thank you for turning in. This was The Green Conversation, hosted by me, Leo Jenko. If you want more information on what I do, please visit leojenko.org. Until next time, y'all. You just listened to The Green Conversation with Leo. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, please visit leojenko.org and sign up to be a member of the community. As a member, you can get content all year long compared to public listeners. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Search for The Green Conversation. Music was produced by Michael David Mobley. Sound and script were produced in-house. Research to make this episode is cited in the episode description. If you would like to make a one-time donation, please contact me for further details. Contact information is on the website. Look for the next episode in two weeks. See you then.